How many of you have been able, by an upraised hand, to be here every night this week? Raise your hand. Look at that. That's wonderful. Even my kids are raising their hands. Glory to God. <laughs> How many of you wish you could have been here every night? How many of you are ticked off you're here now? No, no, I, I'm sorry. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4. I hate to stand you up again, but I just do it. I, I don't hate it that much. Stand up with me. Amen. If I have to stand, you have to stand. How about, no, not for the whole sermon, though. Just for the reading of God's Word. I want to read three passages tonight, and uh, I hope to be a blessing. Uh, you know, sometimes, Pastor, we hope to be a blessing, but we aren't. But I hope to be a blessing. Amen. Uh, I, I, again, I, I'll mention more on Sunday, but I just have... Uh, such precious memories of this place and you people. And it's been great to meet some new people this week. I met, met Dave, met Zach, amen, uh, met the Carpenters, amen, and, and others, amen. But it's so good to see uh, other familiar faces. Uh, uh, Brother Donnie, God bless you, man. It's good to see you, amen. And, and each one of you, I don't want to leave anybody out and start picking uh, each one, but it, it just... Whenever I, I'm able to come something like this, the pastor was so kind to ask me to come, and I just told him, I said, I need to come. He said, you know what, you're right, you do need to come, amen? So I kind of invited myself, amen? <laughs> but uh, it's always like a family reunion, isn't it? Amen. And you know, one of the wonderful things about heaven is the family reunion never ends. Amen? amen? Just going to be up there with him, forgiven of our sins, and uh, rejoicing one with another. But uh, we live in the nasty now and now, don't we? That's the sweet by and by, but we live in the nasty now and now. And I want to preach a message that I hope will be a help to you. We'll read our text. I'll announce the, the title, and then uh, we'll pray and try to get into the message tonight. So Ephesians chapter 4, <clears throat> let's read uh, verses. Really, I want to read more, but I, I'm just not able to with the time we have, even though I know it's Friday night and we've got time, but I've got more scripture than this. So Ephesians 4, 1 through 16 Let's read responsibly. Then we're going to jump over to Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, and then uh, Philippians chapter 4, and uh, we'll, we'll read some from there. So uh, Ephesians chapter 4, first, verses 1 through 16, let's read responsibly. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering. Forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called into one hope of your calling, <clears throat> one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, 
for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Turn over just a couple pages here, probably in your Bible, to the book of Philippians. And uh, you got Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. For you old-timers, that's Gas, Electric, and Phone Company. That's how you can remember it. Amen. And uh, praise the Lord. Philippians chapter 2, <clears throat> let's read verses 1 through 8 responsively. Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 8, and uh, reading responsively there. It says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other, other better than themselves. Look not every man, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Go over to Philippians chapter 4. Just four verses we'll read here uh, responsively. Uh, verses 1 through 4 of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 1 through 4 of chapter 4. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and long for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Iodius and I beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, Help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also, and with my other fellow laborers whose names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Thank you so much for that long reading tonight. That's the, the, the message I want to preach to you tonight, and I hope it will be a help. The devil's distracting device of disunity. 
the devil's distracting device of disunity. We didn't read it, but 2 Corinthians 2.11 talks about uh, Satan and how we are not ignorant of his devices. Well, let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful week. Lord, we, we've had a, a, a precious week with precious friends. Lord, what a privilege to preach the word of God and literally just watch people soak it up and desire... Lord, to make changes and alterations in their life, not because of me, but because of you and your word. Lord, I pray that that would continue tonight. I pray that you'd speak to each heart. May, may each of our desire, even right now, would be to draw closer to you, to say, Lord, speak to me, and Lord, help me when you speak to say, here am I. Lord, please bless this message. Thank you for this group that's here tonight. We pray, Lord, that you would please be with us now. Make it one message for many hearts. We'll pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. One of the most oft used and easiest to be understood metaphors for the local church is that of the body or the body of Christ, pastor, Amen. Romans 12.4 says we have many members in one body. Romans 12.5, we being many are one body in Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13 uses the phrase one body three different times. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 27, that is God's great illustration of the body. The hand cannot say to the foot, I have no need of thee. Why? Because they're both part of the body. I've said it many times. I, I, I used to be in aerospace, and I started off initially a uh, pastor in, in machining. And uh, I remember many times uh, Brother Ron running bridge ports and CNCs and lathes and all that. And I remember one time I was running a bridge port, cutting away, and I had my safety glasses on, Brother Tex, and I was cutting away, ta -ta 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 -ta, and, a, and a hot chip flew up, hit the top, the bill of my hat, and then went down into my eyelid. I'm going to tell you something. It didn't take my body very long to react. You know what the hand did? Why? Because the eye was in danger. And the hand and the eye are still part of the body. Amen? We understand this, this illustration, this metaphor of the body. Ephesians 5.30 says we are members of his body. Colossians 1.18 says Christ is the head of the body, the church. The human body is certainly the crown of God's creation. It is God's perfect picture of the beautiful diversity within the framework of unity. Look at you ever look at your hand? Kind of weird looking, isn't it? Stumpy little thumb. Tiny pinky. Ring finger. Some of you young ladies with no ring on it, but you're looking forward to the day. Amen. Hallelujah. Then you got the big one. Mine's got a callus on it from writing. Amen. All different sizes and shapes. And... Did you ever grab an orange? Grab an orange or a baseball. Put your... Put your hand around it, and you know what? The distance to the center is the same on every finger. Kind of unique, huh? Body. Wrist, different than the elbow. 
neck. Hallelujah. I always say I'm the head of my home. My wife's the neck, and the neck turns the head. Amen. Whithersoever it will. I hurt my neck last week. I was moving. We're moving from our old house, which, by the way, we have an offer on. Got an offer on this week. Amen. Uh, praise the Lord. And so we're moving everything out. We're moving this table out, Pastor, coming out. I don't know. We always call them hatchways here in, in New England, out of the basement, a hatchway. They call them walkouts out there. I don't know what it was, but anyway, we're walking out, amen, and sure enough, Brother Arnie, I thought I was through, and I wasn't, and I hit that door frame, hit, bang, amen, moved my hat down to here, and, and I went, ow, oh, and boy, all the, the days before this trip, my neck told me, ouch, you are not nice to me, amen, uh, and you know what my hand did? Did what it's doing right now, hey, that's, that's what the body does. That's what the body does. If one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. You ever stub your toe? My wife, when we lived here, my, my wife comes, comes upstairs when we were living here, the parsonage was being built, Pastor, and, and uh, she, she comes in and she says, she says, ow, ow. She says, she says, I said, what's the matter with you? She says, I stubbed my toe. I said, who does that? I mean, who, who stubs their toe? I'm not, if I'm lying, I'm dying, Pastor. I, wasn't long after, I was walking out there in that thick grass over by Brother Caleb's office, and that cement sticks up pretty high over there. Whoever did that needs to be, never mind. And so I walked up, and what did I do, Miss Marcy? Boom! I just absolutely reefed my toe, and I was like, oh, 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 my poor Tootsie, my poor Tootsie. Amen. I walked upstairs. My wife said, what happened? I said, I stubbed my toe. She says, who does that? <laughs> the point is this, ladies and gentlemen, other, side, other than my idiotic story. Amen. The point is this. Listen. We as a church are a local body. That's what we are. We're a body. I mentioned the other night, when you skip church, the Bible tells us not to, first of all. You're breaking a biblical command, okay? We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. That's a some pastor that I don't want to be part of. But so much the more as you see the day approaching. But we, we mentioned uh, the other night, verse 24 comes before verse 25. At least it does in my Bible, Amen. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. That when we say, uh, bless God, I'm going, I don't really feel like going to church, but I'm going to church, we're considerate of Miss Janet. And we're considerate of Brother Ray. And we're considerate of Dan, who worked on that song and sung it. And if you weren't here tonight, you'd have missed it. And we're considerate of the pastor, amen. We are a body. I, pre I preached this in my church, and I said, how many of you remember the old Adams family? Remember old thing T thing? Thing T thing, just that hand walking around, just running around. I said, that's the way a lot of church members are. You know what that is? That's an aberration. A hand should not be outside of a body, it should be attached to a body doing its job. Amen? And, and listen, ladies and gentlemen, we are, and I say we, kind of an extension here, uh, but we are a body. I, at Loomis Park Baptist Church, we are a body. And I thank God for the unity that we have, Pastor. You've seen it firsthand uh, during handshaking time. Boy, I'll tell you what, we got to, it's like breaking up 
hugging fights during handshaking time. Come on, come on, let's go. Let's move on with the service here. It's just a blessing. But listen, uh, one of the most important characteristics of a local body of believers is biblical unity. I'm not talking about kumbaya. Just holding hands, saying, oh, we're just all so unified. Yes, we're unified. What are we unified in? We don't know, but we're unified. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about biblical unity. Biblical unity. Without this true unity, the church, the local church, can become fragmented and easily divided. And listen to me, it goes right along with the song. And the cause of Christ can be hindered, and the very purpose of the local church can be frustrated without biblical unity. When we succumb to the devil's distracting device of disunity. The devil has many devices. Or we could say vices. Amen? Devices and vices. And some of them are much easier to spot than others. Listen, terrible thing to think about. But a preacher running off, committing adultery with a woman, that's easy to spot as a cause of disunity. That ripples through a congregation pastor sometimes for decades. And by the way, that's why I got to thank God for a man who's been here 34 years with a spotless reputation. I thank God for it. This will cause a deep distrust for the position of pastor, and by the way, has literally destroyed many a once great church. Our subject today, while much less obvious to spot, is no less deadly to the health of a church family. Fire and termites couldn't accomplish, pastor, what disunity can accomplish in a church the destruction of a church. I want you to look at some things with me, and of course, as we always do at the end, we'll get into what we call the brass tacks, the application. Go back to Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to look at the request in verse number 3. <clears throat> the request. What is it a request for? Verse number 3. Church at Ephesus, a good church. A good church. What does he say there in verse number 3? He says, endeavoring. You know what that means? Putting forth effort. Working at it. Do you know as a pastor, I have to work at unity when somebody comes up to me as soon as I walk in the door and says, Pastor, I need to talk to you. And I say, Sister, how are you today? Are you still saved? Did you lose your salvation today? No, I didn't, but is God still on the throne? Yes, then let me get to my office and have coffee, and then you can talk to me. Amen. <laughs> hey, listen, the truth is, she's going to say, Pastor, I need to talk to you. She said, Well, you know what? I've been needing to talk to you for months, but you haven't been here. That is not going to endeavor to keep the spirit of unity, Pastor, as much as it would maybe be true. Amen. Okay? Uh, listen, endeavoring, working at it. What's the request? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of. Peace. We're not talking about peace, man. No, no, peace, peacefulness, peace. Peace within the body of Christ. Amen? 
So that's the request. It's the same request given in Philippians 2.2. Again, just flip over a page with me. Philippians 2.2. Another great church pastor, the church at Philippi, consistently met Paul's needs and it was the only one. You read Philippians chapter 4 down to the back and he says, No other church communicated with me such as giving and receiving as you. And that's when he said, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Promise forgivers there. But in verse number 2 of chapter 2, he says, Fulfill ye my joy. You want to make me happy as the one who planted this church, he's saying? That ye be what? Like-minded. Having the same love, and then he says it again, being of, sounds like unity, not a Honda, amen? Sounds like unity, one accord, and of one mind. And then he proceeds in the next verses to tell us what that mind is. It's the mind of Christ. Lowliness, meekness, not looking, looking out for others instead of yourself, that's the mind of Christ. Okay. Now, chapter 4, verse 2. Again, good church. Pastor Paul doesn't often name drop saints unless it's to say, I love you. Tell him I love him. But here he name drops. Oh, he name drops Alexander the coppersmith and Janice and Jambres, amen. But here he name drops Yodius and Syntyche. Why? Because there was disunity. There was disunity there in the church at Philippi, the great church at Philippi, Brother Butler. He says here, I beseech Eodius and I beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. What's the request? Paul's request was for oneness or unity within the body of Christ. Amen? We need that more than you know. When churches get clicky, get this little group over here, this little group over here, this it's why, Pastor, no matter how many men do it, I'm never going to small groups. Because you know what they are? Little churches unto themselves. And leaders become little pastors, and all of a sudden they want to take down the big pastor. That is not the way God intended it. Not at all. We can have small groups right here in the church called Sunday school. Amen? Request. Unity. Secondly, the reminders. Verses 4 through 6 of Ephesians 4. We'll just stay right in the text tonight, amen? Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. What are the reminders of unity? I, I tell you what, I had such a great time, Brother Tech, studying this. Uh, I've been teaching Ephesians uh, in my church, the church I pastor there in Jackson, Michigan. And uh, what we do is when, during school year, we have, of course, a kids program. And I'll teach through a book of the Bible, Pastor, and just... We go as long as we go. I usually get about 20 minutes to teach after we're done praying and, and all that. And so we've been, consequently, we've been in Ephesians. It started in chapter 1, verse 1, and I'll be picking up again chapter 4, verse 7 when I get back, and I think it's our 58th lesson. Just so much in here. And I remember studying these in uh, verses 4, 5, and 6 and being very convicted. You know, there are times in the, where the Bible is not dogmatic about something. Uh, your pastor knows the uh, Jude chapter chapter one, Amen. Verse six, 
uh, says, the angels that sinned. And you and I have talked about that, Pastor. What is that sin? Well, there's good men that believe it's this, and there's good men that believe it's this, and there's good men that believe it's this. But the Bible truly doesn't say what that sin was. It's okay to say that the Bible doesn't say when the Bible doesn't say. Amen? The secret things belong unto God. Deuteronomy 29, 21. But these verses are the opposite of that. This says there's not, there's not two bodies. There's one body. There's not two faiths. One faith. That's dogmatic. Amen? And what he shows us here is unity. Verse number four, he says there is one body. Now again, I'm a local church man. Your pastor's a local church man. I believe this is talking about the church proper. Every saved person that ever has existed that is part of the church that's going to meet for its first service right after the rapture. Amen. What a day that'll be. <laughs> and one spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit. And he unifies us. We've all been baptized by him into the body of Christ. There's one hope of your calling, one Lord, amen, Jesus Christ. One faith that was once delivered unto the saints, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And he, he gives all these examples of unity, and it's their reminders of the sevenfold unity that should exist within the church. And again, we're not talking about kumbaya unity, we're talking about doctrinal, biblical unity. The fact is, ladies and gentlemen, at our church, we ask prospective members, do you believe this? And do you believe this? And do you believe this? And if you don't, you are welcome to attend, but you are not welcome to join because we believe in biblical unity. There's reminders. There's a request. The reality. We discussed it. I'll, I'll not... I'll not linger long here, but the reality was in verse 3 of Ephesians 4, in chapter 2, verse 2 of Philippians, in chapter 4, verse 2, why did the Holy Spirit move Paul to address the subject of unity? I'll tell you why, Brother Ron, because there was disunity. People were fighting, fussing. You know, it's been my experience in over 20 years in the ministry, Pastor, that nobody ever fights and fusses about more missionaries being supported. Nobody ever fights and fusses about people being saved and baptized. They fight and fuss, forgive me, about stupid things. I don't usually like to use that word stupid, but in this case it's very warranted. Inconsequential things. Temporal things. I really don't think we should paint the wall that color. And I'm just going to get my little committee together, and we're going to talk about it. And there's old thing T thing. <laughs> Running off to the local coffee shop to have a gossip session. Huh? Listen. Listen. Biblical unity. There was a problem in these good churches. Listen, if you don't watch yourself... And follow this man. Let's say that again. It sounded good. And follow this man as he follows Christ. You'll have disunity here if you don't. Hmm? 
Oh, it'll just flare up and he'll be his little spiritual fireman. Say, how do you know? I got my own fire extinguishers in my office. Sometimes I'm going to write in somebody's face. Amen. Not your pastor, though. Amen. Just, he was just happened to be there. Amen. Request, reminders, reality. What are the reasons for disunity? What are some reasons? Biblical reasons. Well, let's go back to Ephesians 4, verses 1 and 2. Kind of an English lesson, I guess. I like to use the text. Pastor, you know, I don't think there's a lot of need to depart from the text. What do you see here? He says, the Apostle Paul, and by the way, uh, Ephesians 4, 1 is the swing verse of Ephesians. In Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, chapters 1, 2, and 3, Paul tells us all that we are in Christ and all this wonderful doctrine, and now he says, now let's get to the practicality of what you have and what you are. Walk worthy. Walk worthy. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another. What's, what's the opposite of lowliness and meekness? Pride. P-R-I-D-E, pride. With I right in the middle. Just like right in the middle of sin. I. You could spot them through the years, people that rear up the business meeting. I'd like to be heard. Well, you're the only one. <laughs> friend of mine. <laughs> Maybe I'm stepping in it right here, Pastor. A friend of mine said, only fools and people with agendas speak at business meetings. Yeah, I think that's probably true. He's been pastoring as long as you have. Walking in pride. Old Diotrephes loved the preeminence, didn't he? He wanted to be the, the head teacher. He wanted to be the one who ran the, the meeting. Listen, pride, disunity. Verse 3 endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. Again, just kind of flip it. What's the opposite of that? Apathy toward unity. Oh, well, if God wants us to have unity, I guess we will. No. God gives us human responsibility to take care of things. We talked about our gardens the other night. We attend that garden, amen. Attend the garden of the local church, amen. Unbiblical doctrine, so much unbiblical doctrine out there. We had a young man come to us. Pastor, he called me on a Friday. And I just happened to be in the office of studying. Called on a Friday and says, uh, hello. I said, Loomis Park Baptist Church. It's Pastor Rich. How can I help you? And uh, he said, uh, right away, he said, you guys have soul winning? I said, uh, yes, sir. Tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Actually, we had a big day. We call it Extra Mile Saturday. We go out for a longer period of time, try to have a concerted soul-winning effort, and I said, okay, you guys King James? Yes, sir, we sure are. That's all we use. That's all we ever use. If you don't have one, we'll get you one. Okay, thank you. Click. Brother Paul, get a lot of those calls. Kind of like hung up. was like, well, that was odd. That was different. Amen. As we say, that was unique. Say that sometimes. That guy's unique. Amen. Hallelujah. I say that kid, he was 16, he showed up for Extra Mile Saturday. 
First, first church visitor I ever had that showed up for soul winning before he ever came to church. Wow. <laughs> okay. He came and introduced himself. He's wearing a tie. Sharp young man. We got to talking with him, and he came out, and man, he was a ball of fire, preacher. He'd go doors and have the whole family baptized in the bathtub. I mean, just one of those kind of guys, amen, you know? Just an amazing kid. But you know what? He was, and praise God, he's at Golden State Baptist College right now. He's a wonderful young man out of our church. He was hooked on YouTube preachers, pastor, that were all over the board on doctrine. I'm talking about bizarre stuff. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, one Lord, one faith, one body. Biblical doctrine. What's contained in that book, comparing Scripture with Scripture. Not, forgive me, not some Professor Egghead's opinion. Takes one little verse out of context and twists it and turns it. You know, you know, what, you know what the word pervert means? It means to twist, to bend. We use that term, kind of throw it around. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that pervert the scriptures. You gotta, again, you ought to thank God. 34 years of studying the scriptures right here and giving it out straight. Reasons for disunity. Pride. Apathy toward unity. Unbiblical doctrine. Verses 11 through 16. Especially verse 11, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. See, what do we learn here? I'll tell you what we can see that'll cause disunity, a lack of growth. And the first thing we see, pastor, is pastors not teaching and preaching truth. That'll cause a lack of growth every time, every time. I could say this on the authority of working here for three years. That is not the case here. Let me say that again. That is not the case here. You have a pastor, and he's not going to invite me back, and I don't really care. Amen? He, he probably won't even let me preach Sunday now. But he has to because he doesn't have anything ready. Amen? It's <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, amen, amen, amen. <laughs> That's not the case here. You got a pastor that teaches and preaches the word of God. Okay, sees to it. Gets good Sunday school material, equips teachers, all that. So what would be the other cause for disunity in a church if it wasn't the pastor not teaching and preaching the word of God? It would be for people not following and heeding what's taught, right? Being a hearer of the word and not a doer only or not a doer at all, just a, a hearer only, not a doer. So, lack of growth. Oh boy, we could go on. Earthly wisdom, I think about it in James chapter three, pastor, it talks about when there's confusion and strife and every evil work, is this, this wisdom descendeth not from above, is earthly, sensual, devilish. But I think about one of the biggest reasons for disunity is personality conflicts. And I believe that's what happened in Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. If you look at it there, when he called out Yodius and Sinski, they were having a personality conflict. 
They were having a personality conflict. Listen, I, I can go back in my ministry at Loomis and see, and, and my wife could, could say this, and, and even people involved could say, I have seen wonderful servants of the Lord, Brother Ray, bump heads. They, they just bumped heads. They, they maybe got out of their area. They, they said, I, I want to be the hand, and the other one said, I want to be the foot when neither one of them was that. Maybe they were the elbow or the neck or whatever. They, they just, they, boom, just a personality conflict. It, boy, I could preach on this a long time. Uh, some people are just, uh, their way is always the right way, even when it's not. You don't always have to be right, but you do have to be right with him. And it's hard to be right with him if you're not right with your brother and sister. See, we want a horizontally right relationship. God says if you want that, you gotta have, or a vertically right relationship, you gotta have a horizontally right relationship. Disunity. What are some reasons for disunity? Pride. Walking in pride. Unbiblical doctrine. Lack of growth. Earthly wisdom. Personality conflicts. Oh, we could go on in Philippians Chapter 4, verse 3, it says, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, with my fellow laborers whose names are written in the book of life. An uncooperative spirit. Like, look, we were laboring together. Don't stop now. Don't have disunity now. I mentioned at our church, one of the great things that we do, and, and it'll be going on uh, gee whiz, I guess it's tomorrow, the 29th. I'm away for this one. But uh, we do sowing seeds at Spartan Stadium. We go, it's a gospel outreach. We have gospel tracks, beautifully printed gospel tracks with a schedule of the Michigan State home football games on one side. On the other side is the gospel. And, and the truth is we can't, if we have 20 people go, I think last time we had like 24 people. And uh, Brother Ron, we put them at all the choke points of the stadium, you know, where everybody has to come in and, and funnel in. We can't have 24 people in one spot going like this. That's an uncooperative spirit. We need everybody doing their part. Not somebody else's part, your part. Amen? Just you have to have an uncooperative spirit. And then uh, chapter 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Why would Paul write that? Maybe they were missing joy, Pastor. They were missing the joy of being unified and serving as a body together. I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. The week in our church is vacation Bible school. That's the week for us, Pastor, when we are firing on all cylinders. Everybody's in their spot. Everybody's doing their job for Jesus. And little boys and girls are receiving the gospel all week long. It's beautiful to watch. It really is. See people come off work. They'll say, Pastor, I, I, got out of, I went into work today at 4 a.m. so I could be here for vacation Bible school at 5 p.m. You know what that tells me? That's unity right there. People wanting to part, do their job, miss and joy. The remedies for disunity. What are some remedies for disunity? Let's go to the scriptures, amen. Go with me to Romans chapter 12. Remedies for disunity. Request, reminders, reality, Reasons, now some remedies. Romans chapter 12. 
If you're there, say amen. Okay, I just got there. Brother Ray, that's right before Romans chapter 11. Right at Romans chapter 12. Verse 10. Here it is. It all starts here, ladies and gentlemen, in the church of God. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. What's the remedy for disunity in a church? Got a little fragmentation. Maybe you got a little ought with the man of God or the ought with somebody else in the church. What's the remedy? I'll tell you what it is. Love one another. Love one another. Read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, not easily provoked. Charity thinketh no evil. You know, it's real hard to have disunity in a local church when you love your brothers and sisters like that. Amen, pastor. That's good preaching. Love one another. Stop focusing on all those little tiny areas where you disagree. I preach a message at our church I think, I think I've preached it here, Pastor, out under the uh, tabernacle, called Looking Through the Lens of Love. I talked about how my dad was a photographer, amateur photographer. He won all kinds of prizes for nature uh, photography. And he would occasionally teach me, and I just wasn't that interested in photography, just one of those things he liked to do, and he, he was part of a camera club, and there were several guys that'd go all over and do it. And, uh, but he used to show me, he said, Brother Ray, when you look through a lens... And you put a lens in there and you focus on one thing. I'm looking at Brother Ray right now. Brother Jack is blurry. I'm just looking at Brother Ray. And it, it, it made me think, you know, if we will take this lens of love and focus on this dear brother whom I love, you know what? All his faults become blurry. Because hmm? I love him. And listen to me. Where love is thick, faults are thin. And where love is thin, faults are thick. Well, Pastor, I didn't get my way, so I'm just taking my ball and I'm going home. Forgive me. I don't usually do this. I'm not in the pulpit. <laughs> love one another. When I come to this place, I feel the love of God. You love me, and I love you. This man loves me, and I love him more than you'll ever know. Love one another. Remedy for disunity. Number two. Let's see, we're still, I think we're still in Romans here. Romans 15, 14. Romans 15, 14. What's another remedy for disunity? Romans 15, 14. Verse 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. That's a great verse. Amen. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren. You, can't, you, can't you sense the love in Paul's voice here toward that church at Romans in Rome? 
that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. So love one another, number one, remedy for disunity. Number two, admonish one another. Do you know there was a time where the church wasn't sure if it was supposed to preach to Gentiles or not, Pastor? If it was just supposed to be Jewish. And by the way, that's what Ephesians is all about. The beauty of God, Jews and Gentiles, worshiping together. God's plan from the, from the foundation of the earth was that the church would be made up of all mankind. Amen. Beautiful. Black, white, red, yellow, Jew, Gentile. Uh, all. So he, there was a time when they weren't sure. And so Peter had preached to the Gentiles. But now he was back with his Jewish friends and he wouldn't associate with Gentiles. And you know what Galatians tells us, Brother Tim? The Apostle Paul said, I withstood him to his face. He said, you're wrong. You're wrong. That's what it is to admonish one another. We don't, we don't often do it in public, Pastor. Let me tell you something, you're wrong. Start calling people by name. But privately, as you're sitting down, maybe going through a dispute, maybe something that could cause some disunity. Listen, part of this man's job, two-thirds of this man's job is negative. It's in, it's in 2 Timothy 4, 2. Preach the word, that's wonderful. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, that's negative. That's telling you you're wrong. Rebuke, that's telling you you're wrong forcefully exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. That's the nice part, amen? I wish, I, wish, I wish we could all be from Houston, Texas and smile real big and say, you're living your best life now. By the way, if you're living your best life now, your destination is hell after you die. Just think about that for a second. But you know what? In a church body, if we're, we're going to remedy disunity, we have to be able to admonish each other. Not my opinion. My opinion's as good as yours. Opinions are like noses. Everybody has one. But if we can admonish each other with this book, say, man, I love you. I don't want you to go down this path that you're going. I see some things. I'm concerned. I'm not... I'm not causing strife. I'm not causing trouble. I, I'm coming to you as a brother and admonishing you, man. Watch this area. Maybe you don't see it, but I do. Yeah, that's, good. that's a remedy for disunity, ladies and gentlemen. We have to be able to admonish each other. We have to love one another. Oh, I love this. Boy, I, I, I can't read all of it, but Romans chapter 16. I'll read some of it. Verse 3. And it so fits me being here and my, my wife and family. It's just, here's Paul. He says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Jesus Christ. And he goes down, verse 5. He says, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Epenius, Epenonidas, who is the first fruits of Achaia in Christ. And greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us and Salute Andronicus. And by the way, aren't you glad we're not reading responsively right about now? Amen. 
and Junia, my kinsmen and fellow uh, prisoners, greet Ampelius uh, in the Lord, and Urbane, my helper in Christ, and Stachys, my beloved. And he goes on and on and on. And you know what I see here in this text, Pastor? What will remedy disunity? Spend time with one another. Now we do that here, 8.15, 9.30, 10.30, Six PM, seven PM on Wednesday night. This this week you got some heroes here. Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. Spending time with one another. I say when people visit our church, uh, they come and I say, "Boy, it's so good to have you. We hope you'll come back." They come back a second week. I say, "Hey, listen. The first time somebody comes to hear me preach, it's a blessing. The second time, it's a miracle. Amen. Hallelujah." Some of you folks right now, you're, you're, uh, you've been here all week long. You are in violation of the Eighth Amendment's prohibition of cruel and unusual punishment. Amen. Listen, I always say at our church, listen, take somebody out to lunch. Invite somebody over to your home for ice cream. Listen, Ashley and Dave, there ought to be somebody in this church that invites you over for ice cream and gets to know you. And I could, I could go on and on and on. Amen. Somebody hadn't been here in a while, say, hey, let's, let's go to lunch. Let's have a coffee. Let's come out for men's prayer tomorrow. Yeah. You know what? You, you, you know why I love so many of you people and why you love me? We spent time together. We spent time together. We, not just here. We, we spent time together outside of here doing different things. You invited me to your homes, my wife and I to your homes. We, we went out to dinner a lot. Like this week, amen, a lot. God bless Vinny's Pizzeria in Torrington, Connecticut, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Best chicken parm I've ever had. That's saying something. I've had a lot of chicken parm, amen. Listen, spend time with one another. Don't be that person who says, well, nobody ever spends time with me. You be the person that invites other people over to your house. A friend must show himself friendly. Love one another. Admonish one another. Spend time with one another. Oh, here it is. Uh, Galatians 5. Galatians 5. So hang it right there at Romans and go to Galatians 5. I think this one, probably one of the most important ones, Pastor, at this point, other than number one. Galatians 5, verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love, that goes back to number one, right? Loving one another, admonishing one another, spend time with one another. Then what's the last words there? Serve one another. Serve with each other in the Lord's work. Serve with each other. The, I, when I went to Bible college, I was 25 years old. Newly married. Pastor, I owned one suit. I was about 200 pounds. I owned one suit, one pair of dress shoes. Two pairs of khakis, two sport coats, and a big pair of Herman Survivor work boots. They put another four inches on me, which all the dwarf people didn't like very much, amen, because I was already tall. I didn't know 
anything. I just knew God called me. And I, when I say I didn't know anything, I meant it. I didn't know much about the Bible at that point. I just knew God had called me. We got there. And Brother Caleb, you know, you went to Golden State Baptist College. There is always work to do in Bible college, in ministry, always. There's, there's obviously ministry work to be done on bus routes and Sunday school class and all that. There's, you, listen, you folks know here, there's always chairs to be folded. There's always fellowships to sign up for. Yeah. There's all, always something to do. The right kind of church is not just uh, uh, on, a, on a unicycle, just kind of bobbing back and forth. The right kind of church is, even if it's a little slower, pastor, is going forward, trying to do something for Christ. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you something, that takes servants. Yeah. You want to have unity in a church? Serve with one another. Yeah. We used to joke, and I can't wait to see him on Sunday night, Brother Duke Robertson. Brother Duke Robertson was our resident uh, mass transit worker. He worked for the mass department of transportation up there, and he'd been there like 35 years, and we used to joke with him all the time. We said, we said uh, Duke, I, I'm sorry, brother. I heard you're going to lose your job. He's like, what? I said, yeah, the Japanese made a shovel that can stand up by itself. <laughs> hey, you know what? Listen. <laughs> Serving. You have a pastor that serves with you. He doesn't just stand there and hold up a shovel. He digs the hole with you. Let's serve with one another. That'll cure disunity like that. Everybody just working together, serving. Serve with one another. Spend time with one another. Admonish one another. Love one another. Galatians 6.2. You're in Galatians. Just go over and look. Galatians 6.2. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What does that tell us to do? Help one another. I wish I could tell the story in this house that we're getting. How many people, including this church, have helped us? I'm telling you what. Helping one another, it doesn't cause disunity, it strengthens unity when we help one another. By the way, sometimes people don't help because they don't know. Don't be so proud. Listen to me. Don't be so proud to say, well, I don't need any help. Your attitude right there, if you say that, needs help. Amen? Came, came to the point where we were in a, a spot and somebody said, how can I help? I said, well, here's where we are. And somebody said, I can help with that. And God put them there. Help somebody. Bear one another's burdens. And by the way, this is the only time the phrase the law of Christ is used, Pastor. What a, what a thought. What's the law of Christ? To help one another. That's it. Help one another. Ephesians 4, 2, you're, you're in Galatians, just take a right turn. We, we read this, but boy, this goes right along. I, I, this one is, oh, this is so good. This is, it's all right out of the text here, amen. Ephesians 4, 2, 
says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another. And there's that in love again. Forbearing one another. What does forbearing one another mean? Let me tell you what it means, Brother Benedict. Forbearing means to put up with. That's what it means. Forbear. We put up with one another. Is that easy sometimes? No. My tongue probably has marks where I've almost bit it off. Forbearing one another. It's a command. Hey, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. We forbear one another. We, we say it about our family. Hey, family's family. Family's family. Can't, can't cast out family. Your family's family. Family's family. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Family's family. Got to put up with each other. I go up to people sometimes and say, you have to love me. I don't have to love you at that kind of a distance, old pastor. Get away from me, amen? <laughs> Forbear one another. Forbear. Oh, can I give you? I, I wanted to preach on this tonight, but uh, I believe I'm supposed to preach what I'm supposed to preach. Colossians 3. Just keep, keep turning left. You go past Philippians, and then there's Colossians. One of the great chapters in the Bible, pastor, for practical Christian living. The whole book of Colossians is practical Christian living, but chapter 3 is... Tell you what, you have chapter 3 in your morning devotions, it'll do you in with conviction. <laughs> it really starts in verse 12 there, chapter 3 of Colossians. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Here we go. Forbearing one another, we just tackled that, didn't we? And forgiving one another. And here it is. I tell you what, you, you, you're, looking, you're looking for an out to keep unforgiveness in your heart. You're not going to find it in this verse. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. How about that? That closes all the doors for unforgiveness. Sorry. If you've got a quarrel against anybody, here's what I want you to do. Like Christ forgave you, just do that. Forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. Unforgiveness will destroy a church through disunity. That's why I wanted to preach on I wanted to preach on unforgiveness. I may on Sunday. I don't know. Uh, just pray for me. Unforgiveness. Disunity. I have seen, praise God, not for a long time, Pastor. We went through some rough times about six years ago. I'd only been there about two years, and we went through a church split. It was Bad, bad. Lost weight, couldn't sleep. Just, it was bad times in our church. I, remember, I literally can remember shaking a woman's hand and, and she shook my hand, Pastor, shake her hand out, and she did this to me. I, I'm telling you, I never forgot that. And I, I also remember the words of Larry Brown. I heard him preaching one time and he looked out and there was this lady kind of sitting there like this. He said, he said, you think you're doing anything to me? You're just motivating me, sister. Amen. <laughs> All that did was stiffen my spine when she did that. I'm telling you. But it, it was awful times. I literally watched uh, 
no, I shouldn't say watched. A young lady tried to go to another Christian and apologize. And the one went like this. You know, in Matthew chapter 6, it says, if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive your trespasses. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to be saved. But it means you'll not be in fellowship with God because you have unforgiveness in your heart. Pastor, have you ever struggled against unforgiveness? Yes, I have. I've been hurt as a pastor. Pastor, hurt. So have you. Hurt. Wounded deeply. But I have come to the conclusion that if I want to stay right with God and I want God's blessing on my family, forgive me if I'm a little selfish in this, and I want God's blessing at Loomis Park Baptist Church upon the families that I'm shepherding, I have to forgive. I have to develop a heart of forgiveness. I have to develop that attitude of 70 times 7, Pastor. That doesn't mean I keep track and 490 times I hit the guy in the head with a club, amen? That's just a pattern of unforgiveness. Just, just saying, after so many times you lose count. Not counting anymore. Just forgive, forgive, forgive. You got all against somebody in this congregation? Forgive! As Christ forgave you, so do ye. I'll cure disunity, Pastor, like that. I was moderating a service when I was in Bible college. And the preacher preached, and I was up there giving the invitation. And I'm not, I'm not one who drags out invitations. There's some preachers do, and they're very good at it. Like, you know, responses take place. And I'm glad. I'm just not that way. But I just felt, Brother Ray, that this invitation was supposed to go a little bit longer. And we had a schedule and, and all that had things going on after the service. And, and there was, you know, people in the back like. And I'm just sitting there in the pulpit and, and I'm saying, you know, I believe God wants us to carry this invitation on. And we just talked a little bit more about the message. And all of a sudden, one person over like where Brother Ron is went all the way over to like where Brother Paul is. And they walked down the aisle together and they hit the altar together. And then it happened again, and again, and again, and again. And literally, literally happened about 10 times, Pastor. And people were getting right with each other and then right with God. You know what the Bible says? If you bring your gift to the altar and remember that you have aught with your brother, leave your gift there, go get your brother, be reconciled to him, and then offer your gift. Forgiving one another, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you, it is a remedy for disunity. And then lastly tonight, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The devil's distracting device of disunity. Request, remedies, reality, reasons. Or I'm sorry, reminders. Request, reminders, reality, reasons, remedies for disunity. Love one another. Admonish one another. Spend time with one another. Serve with one another. Help one another. Forbear one another. Forgive one another. Do you noticing the one another? That's unity. One another. Here's the last one. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and 
edify one another. Great word. Great word. Lo- I, edify. What, what's edify mean? It means build up. Pastors, sometimes, sometimes we've got to tear down a little bit before we can build up. Foundation starts to slide a little. Yeah, we've got to fix that. Build one another up. You go, if you go back to the text in Ephesians 4, we don't have time, but look, that, look up that word edify. Edifying of itself in love. Talks about how the body edifies itself in love. Every joint compacteth and supplieth every need. Just like inside your body. It grows and it builds together. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, if we edify one another, we're not going to be in disunity with one another. If I look around and say, who can I build up in here today? Who can I build up? Not, well, I sure hope God blesses me today. No, who can I build up? I want to contribute to the unity. I want to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. How can I, who can I build up today? Hey, can I just give you a few simple suggestions on that? Write a note to somebody. I have an entire drawer Good gracious, that, that drawer's getting big faster. I'm gonna need a, a locker pretty soon, amen? It's called my blessing drawer. And it's notes and cards and thank yous and I love yous from kids from our church in this church, in Mountain View Baptist Church, in Emmanuel Baptist Church, every church I've I just just blessing drawer. And every once in a while, Pastor, when I get the mully grubs, and I start spiritually sucking my thumb a little bit, yeah. I'll open that drawer and I'll pull something out. I love you, pastor. Thanks for being the best pastor in the world. Now I think, you know what? Who can I, who can I send a note to? Send, send a note to somebody. Nowadays, send a text to somebody. Don't be inappropriate. Sir, if you're a married man, don't send a married lady a text. Uh-oh. Amen. Or single lady. I mean, just... Anytime, by the way, I send ladies texts and I always say, Blondie and I love you. Blondie and I care for you. Always put my wife in there. Always. Just proper. Amen. That's just being proper. Mm-hmm. Be an encouragement to somebody. Send a note. Like I said, have a meal. Invite somebody over to dessert. Just say, you know what? I just appreciate your faithfulness. Boy, you've been coming to church and I notice. I just want to let you know I, I love you. You would not believe how that will build up somebody. The smallest acts of kindness make the biggest difference. I think about things that I've done in the Lord and, and people will say, literally, I literally just got a call. I'll close with this. It's 8.30. I just got a call before I came out, Pastor. This lady called me. She said, is this the pastor on my cell phone? I said, well, yes, it is. And she started talking and said, I, I'd like you to marry me. I said, well, ma'am, I'm already married. So no, that's not what I meant. I, I said that all wrong. So I kind of figured. I kind of figured, amen. And she talked about, she said, do you remember a man named Ricky Jerry? And I said, yes, ma'am, I did. She said, well, you'll remember me then. I was a, and, and I went back in my mind and I thought about Ricky Jerry. Who's Ricky Jerry? Who's Ricky Jerry? There was a man in our church that worked at Lowe's, Brother Jared Shannon. Awesome. Big guy. Big guy. Big beard. Santa Claus, you know, just 
Awesome guy, love him. Call him Jard. Jard, amen. His name's Jared, but we call him Jard. God bless you, Jard. Jard called me and he said, Pastor, I got a question for you. He said, I've got a, I've got a guy at work whose grandmother died and they don't have a pastor. And they want to know if you do the service. No, I'm sorry, he said, Pastor, he said, they want to know what you charge to do the service. I said, how about a big fat donut? No, I mean, literally, a glazed donut. That's what I charge, amen? <laughs> nothing, nothing, amen? I don't, I don't charge anything. They want to be a blessing, that's fine. If not, it's for the Lord. I said, I'd be glad to do it. Tell me when and where. So they told me. It's over on Tonight Street. Elm Road at our church, about two miles down, you start to get into a pretty rough section where Tonight Street is, Brother Tex. And it, it was rough, rough section. So I, I pull into Tonight Street and I'm looking for the church. And I'm not, it reminds me of another time I did a funeral. Folks said, folks said uh, it's such and such Page Avenue. And I pull up and it's the Polish American Club on Page Avenue. I'm like, yes. Hallelujah. And then I walk in, and it's bar and slot machines. I said, you know, I don't think I've ever done a funeral in a bar with slot machines. And, and all of a sudden, this little tiny woman gets up on a table and whistles and goes, she goes, hey, everybody, gather around. The reverend's got something to say. Everything shut down, and it was like complete silence. I was like, better have something to say, amen. So I show up to Tonight Street, and it's just a house. And it's a driveway. And, and it's like 95 degrees, Pastor, and I was like you. I'm wearing a black suit. It's a funeral. What are you supposed to wear a black suit to a funeral if you're a pastor? I'm wearing a black suit, Brother Ron, 95 degrees. I pull in the driveway. All these chairs are set up in the driveway. I'm like, oh, boy, this is going to be an interesting one. <laughs> and I, listen, I did what I always do. I sung, sung about heaven preached a simple gospel message, and I think one or two hands went up. At the end of the service, a lady came up to me. She said, Reverend, they only get called Reverend at funerals, amen. Reverend, come here, Reverend. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. I want you to meet my, my brother. His name's Ricky Jerry. He was in a wheelchair. Rough-looking guy. I said, how you doing, Ricky? He said, well... Not too good. I said, and I told him, I said, I used to get called Ricky. I said, that's what I, that was my name when I was a kid. I said, I'll remember that. He said, you're not doing too good, huh? He said, no, I got stage four lung cancer. And I said, Ricky, can I come over and have coffee with you? I said, you drink coffee? He said, yeah, but it better be black. <laughs> I said, fair enough. I'll bring real coffee and you can have the black coffee turpentine, Amen. So not long after, went down to his house. Rough, rough situation. Rough folks. Not church-going folks. Rough folks need the Lord. So do church-going folks too, amen. Went down and sat there and talked with Ricky and his family and was able, by God's grace, to lead Ricky to Christ. Ricky died a month later. They called me. They were so nice. The family was so nice to me. So kind, Pastor. So kind. They said, Ricky died. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I said, would you do the funeral? I said, be honored to. Honored to. So I went, come into this funeral home, and it is packed and jammed. 
with rough people. People, people literally smoking, you know, when they came in and when they came out, amen? Had to walk through, like, <laughs> you know, with my Bible, waving, waving smoke, amen? I got up there and preached, and man, I, I don't know how many hands, Pastor, just hands went up all over. This, this uh, uh, dear, uh, dear preacher afterwards came up to me. He said, man, I thought I was the last preacher in Jackson who gave an invitation at a funeral. I said, brother, I wouldn't do one without it. I wouldn't do it. I said, awesome. She just called me before we, the, one of those dear ladies just called me. I think Ricky's sister said, she said, she, you know, would you be able, and, and listen, I don't marry everybody that calls me. But I think about it, it all goes back to one very simple act. And it wasn't me, Pastor. It was that man at Lowe's, Jard, who saw a coworker that was struggling. He said, hey, what's going on? You don't look like yourself. Oh, my grandmother died. We don't have a preacher. And he made a phone call. And then I went to Tonight Street, and then, and listen, you have no idea what one little tiny act can build somebody up in this church. Here's the key. I'll close, Pastor, and then it's all yours. You got to look around and get out of yourself. All those points were about one another. One another. Not one One another. One another. You know what Harvest Baptist Church needs? Unity. Can't grow without unity. Can't have it, Pastor. Can't. What happens is we just fragment and this person leaves and that person leaves and this person leaves. And pastors know, and by the way, that that just, I'll tell you what, that devastates a pastor. I'm not speaking for him, I'm speaking for me. Devastates a pastor when somebody leaves because you know they're not unified. And they could be. And the church of Christ gets weakened. Missions giving goes down. General giving goes down. And you can't do this anymore. And you, you can't buy this and take care of this. And It'd be a whole lot better, ladies and gentlemen, than having disunity, than to love one another. Have, love one another, amen? Admonish one another. Spend time with one another, serve one another, help one another, forbear one another, forgive one another, and edify or build up one another. Hey, let's beware of the devil's distracting device of disunity. Amen? Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and blessing in our lives. Lord, thank you for this good church. I love these precious people. Love their pastor. This is a strange Friday night message for a revival meeting. I hope, I pray, Lord, that it was the right one that you wanted preached. Lord, I pray that you do the work right now in hearts that only you can do. If there is disunity, Lord, I pray that folks would make it right Love one another. Spend time with one another. Serve one another. Forgive one another. Edify one another. Please, Lord, may it be so.
Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The piano begins to play a hymn of invitation. Let's stand. Stand to our feet. The altar's open.